Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juvederm.com. I loved Shania Twain. I remember she lost an award at the like People's Choice Awards one year to Leanne Rimes, and I cried so hard that my mother was like, You need to stop or we're going to the doctor. <laughs> Welcome back to That's a Gay Ass Podcast, y'all. The podcast where we ask, whose fault is it that you're gay? I'm Eric Williams, your host. And gosh, it's I'm happy to report that I'm recording this from good old sunny Florida, where I'm on vacation with Matt's family. Uh, after not seeing Matt for two weeks, it was such a beautiful reunion. And I'm really taking every opportunity to let Florida know that I am a man in a marriage with another man. Uh, I was at a Publix just a day ago, and I tried to hold Matt's hand and give him a kiss. He says, quote, stop trying to make a political statement. I said, I'm not trying to make a statement. I'm trying to get someone to be homophobic so I can talk about it on this podcast. God. <laughs> I will say, before I left for Florida, I saw Meg Stalter's show in New York. Oh, my effing God. I mean, as incredible as you would expect it. I got to see a few friends there, some people who listen to the podcast. It was the universe just gave me so many gifts that night. But most of all, the gift of Meg Stalter. And one day she's going to be on this podcast. Mark my goddamn words. But for this week's podcast, we have, uh, yeah, you know, Matt Rogers of Las Culturistas fame. HBO Max's Hot Dog Game Show. Gosh, the the list is endless. And I have to say, this conversation is top-tier podcast, which is no surprise to anyone. Uh, If you don't follow Matt Rogers, do it at Matt Rogers, though. Listen to Las Culturistas. He is doing game show in New York soon. He's going to tour with his Christmas special this year. Just look out for all of it. He actually talks about that show at the end of this conversation. Also, follow me on social media at Eric Wills, E-R-I-C-W-I-L-L-Z, and the podcast Instagram is at gay ass podcast 
Now, please, if you like this episode, give us a like, give us a subscribe, leave a review if you don't mind, and I hope you enjoy, y'all. That's a Gas Podcast with Matt Rogers. <laughs>Zoom just let us know that she's doing her We love her. Confident girl. We love her. She's usually dependable, sometimes throws us a curve, but we're here for her roller coaster. Take me on it. Speaking of roller coasters, can you kind of like get us into what happened at lunch here? (laughs) All right. Basically, I was at lunch and um, I was at... So I I went to the establishment Sweet Chick. This is a chain that is sort of popular really in in New York, Brooklyn, really all around the country. And I just, um, I thought 35 minutes would be enough time to like order a simple sandwich and get in, get out. And um, I quickly became aware of the fact that that was not going to be their timeline of acceptability. So here I am. The chick was on a different timeline from you. But you know what? And it's a sweet chick. And it's so sweet that you're here, Matt Rogers. I want to say the fact that you were on That's a Gay Ass podcast. I've said it to some guests before, but you need to know this, Matt Rogers. <laughs> this world is better off because of you in it this world is more rich full and the fact that you are on this podcast this podcast is better off for it listen i have to tell you i'm honored and thrilled to be here i can't think of a better podcast to come sort of mouth off on mouth off on that's a gay ass <laughs> podcast matt rogers well uh i want the listener to know that you are in new york city and i'm in new york city but uh one day in the near-ish future you're gonna probably be seeing me in los angeles we are getting closer to making our date to move there oh when when are you going and, and what's the deal are you just like life change or anything concrete the long story short is that i have been feeling pulled emotionally physically universally and uh, then my other half um we finally decided that now's the time of just like to make a little change we're in our 30s it's now or never oh yeah i have to tell you it's one of the best decisions i've ever made and i say that with no ill will toward the city of new york the city that really made me who i am i love new york city it's just um i don't know how to say this uh the humidity is unbearable the subways (laughs) are unbearable um a lot of the uh just sort of built-in ways of living here you realize you don't have to live like this Mm. you can go to los angeles and sort of like let things be a little easier i mean there was a time in new york where because like i feel like new york like breeds like workhorses and there was a time where if i didn't have five or six things on my schedule a day i was like not busy i was not busy enough for myself and now it's like i'm in la and it's like if there's two things on my schedule i'm like full day and i love it i love it wait that is honestly what i think i needed to hear in this moment because i have those six or seven things today and i had like two hours to not do anything i was like god i'm such a lazy piece of shit i just need to be doing more it's like that's not the way that's not sustainable babe no, you don't. And the thing is, too, like, um, I think that because New York City is constantly bustling and constantly things are happening, you can't get away from the noise of activity. It just makes you feel like you have to be out there doing things. But guess what? There's such a thing as being spread too thin. And sometimes I look back on 
you know, my years in New York, and I think, was I giving my 100% to the, all the six things I was doing in one day, you know, instead of uh, taking a break, like actually eating lunch, or, you know, building in time during the day to like exercise or go to the gym or like go shopping for food. Like there were times where, like I didn't learn to cook when I was in my 20s living in New York, because I was just busy all the time going, going, going. And I think it just like, wasn't good for me, because I was eating a lot of garbage and a lot of things I could get quickly and just throwing things in my body and then going, going, going. And now that I'm living in a place where it's just, you're, it's acceptable to slow down a little bit more. I pay attention to other aspects of my life besides career that need attention. And I think it's good. So are you saying right now that you're an Equinox girly? I actually am an Equinox girly. I kind of love that for you though. I waited a really long time. Uh, um, and just because I couldn't afford it at all, and then as of the, as of like the last couple couple years, like I'm doing a little bit better in my career, and that's another thing too. Is like in LA, there's just more work in the entertainment industry. There's just a lot more going on. Whereas in in New York, I was just happy to be paid at all. Like I used to freelance write for a few websites, and it was like I would do recaps for episodes of TV, and it would be like a hundred bucks a recap, and I was just like thank. God, I'm making this money. And now it's just like it's it's different because maybe because my career started or maybe maybe my career was just ready to start at this time, but I have to associate some of that with moving to LA because it just changed when I moved to LA. Um not saying that like if you move here like all of a sudden everything's going to be lucrative and incredible, but um there's definitely just more financial opportunity I found and that made it easier. But could you promise that for me please? Is that okay? If you're not the kind of person who like kills those who make promises that they can't keep no, then i'll no. make a promise to you right now that eric you're about to be a fucking millionaire <laughs> you're about to be a millionaire boo listen speak it into the universe the universe listens and then she delivers been spoken she's been spoken she's been spoken well i i feel like i i want the people to know that i uh, speaking of being in new york first met you during our college days of it all and then it's at university as british people say at uni and it's um Mm -hmm. it's been a few years since then but 10 it's fully we can say 10 (laughs) We can say time. I was thinking about that the other day because every time I come back to New York, like I'm in, the, I'm in Soho right now, and so I'm like walking around and like all the old haunts, like, and I'm just like, wow, it's been a decade since I graduated, or nearly a decade since I graduated. Did you know that Dojo on West on West Fourth is just fully closed? <gasps> but honestly, if you were going to tell me that Dojo was still open, I would have been just as surprised. The gasp would have been the same. But <laughs> honestly, like I just walked by it and I'm like. It's like that Taylor Swift song in Cats, beautiful ghosts. I'm like, all I'm seeing all around me are just beautiful ghosts. Like Dojo beautiful is ghost a beautiful ghost. Well, listen, <laughs> speaking of beautiful ghosts, I like uh, the my the ghost of my old apartment. I used to live on Thompson Street for one year. It was like eleven hundred dollars mm-hmm. for a f- six floor walk up. And I think yeah. I, I think I might have told this to the Catherine Cohen on this podcast about when my apartment was robbed and that was the only time it was robbed was in soho on thompson street and i oh fucking brutal brutal and talk you talk about just new york brutality like i remember when i found that apartment i did it all by myself because my roommate was out of town for the summer falling in love with Catherine cohen actually at williamstown separate story but uh is this a gay man 
Straight man, straight man. Straight, oh, straight man. Okay, so it could have gone either way, because gay men do tend to fall in love with Catherine Cohen, and that's sort of a tale as old as time. Um, but straight men falling in love with Catherine Cohen, I know, happens as well, just not as often. <laughs> not as often, but it has been known to happen at least once or twice. So what ended up happening is I fought to find this apartment, and I finally got it, and I was so stressed I wasn't going to find anywhere. And then once I found it, I called my parents, thinking I was going to be like, I found this apartment, I was so excited. And instead of that, I had an emotional release i wasn't expecting and i was weeping on houston street oh. well which is of course again tale as old as time crying in new york yeah i mean if you're in your 20s in new york and you're not weeping at least once on houston street you didn't do it right and you got to go back <laughs> you can't move to another city until you've done that I don't until you've wept on houston and thompson <laughs> yeah it well i i didn't know if i was going to tell you this but i i'm going to because it, it has come up organically um I haven't really seen you for a long time, but I did see you at a time that I don't think you saw me, and it's for a good reason, because it was on a subway, and we were on opposite sides, but the reason why I didn't say hi to you is this. What? I was crying. <laughs> and I promise you, I promise you that this is not a normal, like, I'm always crying in the streets of New York. It was just like during a winter of 2019. Oh, really? I think so. A friend of mine, a friend of mine, I was with her on the subway and I was just, it was one of the darkest, one of the darkest periods of just like, I just finished oh, a big I'm job so and just like, yeah. oh, it's okay. But what happened, she was like talking to me and I started to like unexpectedly cry a little bit and I looked over and I saw Matt Rogers and I was like, if Matt Rogers sees me weeping on this subway train, I, 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 I have to say, I didn't see it. I didn't see it. Um, I'm usually kind of in my own world on the subway. I, I'm not a, an observant person, but, um, I'm so sorry that you were crying. And I want you to know that had I seen you crying, I would have been there for you. I really would have. Thank you, Matt. Oh my God. I'm so heartbroken. Well, and I have to tell you, there is. Why a- were you crying? I was crying. Was it just the job of it all, emotional release, or was it a relationship related? Uh, you know what it is? If I'm being very honest with you, is that it was a combat of perfect storm of I got back to the city from doing this show and I was depressed from for being unemployed but also my depression led to my relationship having a tough moment and we were planning our wedding (laughs) and so i was feeling so many pressures of the of the world really of you you know are you a piece of shit career-wise are you a, a piece of shit in your relationship and you're supposed to have this like beautiful wedding like i was like having all of these crazy thoughts and so it the pressure of it all and also it's the it was february in new york city and like who isn't devastated do you remember what subway line it was um oh i think we were heading to brooklyn and it might have been oh was it the g oh to cry on the g to cry on the g that's dark dark days yeah but the happy ending is that we like i had to address the darkness and just like you know made sure i was talking in therapy made sure i boo 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 and then ended up like like matt and i got my husband and i got stronger at that point like career stuff worked out it just like it was a low point well we love to hear it and honestly like i always feel like um I, I almost laugh when I look back at those times, like the misery of New York, like crying on subways. Like, uh, uh, you know, there were there were days when I thought my life was truly over around 2018, 2019, because that, I think we're the same age, was our return to Saturn, babe. And uh, times were thick and times were tough, but they ended. And I'm happy that you are 
doing better and going to do this move to LA because I'm telling you it's the choice. It's the choice. It is the, the choice. choice. And you know what's funny is about the the Saturn return is that I actually so when I turned 30 it was 2 weeks before my wedding and so I didn't I was just like oh yeah I'm getting married and I'm 30 and it's fine but then my 31st birthday was a pandemic 31st birthday and Tough. that's when the darkness returned a bit because I was Again, you know, oh, wow, I'm turning a year older. And what exactly do I have as evidence of how far I've come? Well, I don't, I didn't feel like, feel like I was taking as many steps forward as I would have liked. And listen, I, I actually, I hate to like rub this in, but I think I had one of the last birthday parties before COVID. My 30th birthday party was on March 9th. Yes, you did. And like, I think it was like March 11th. No, it was like March 7th or March 9th, that weekend. And I'm telling you, I had a huge. 30th birthday party and then three days later it was like if you're seen with even one other person you're you're going to jail and it was like everyone's going home and i was like oh my god i was just with literally a hundred people like i i I, did was i at a covid super spreader event was my date of birth party a covid super spreader well speak now was i'm happy to report that not one person no not one person had a covid from it that i know of that's incredible yeah i mean it's literally a miracle it was it was a big event in a small house (laughs) and so it really it really could have been bad but luckily it wasn't i'm so glad i mean honestly what a way to go out though is celebrating with the gorgeous and then truly mere days later you're sitting at home just thinking was that okay Mm -hmm. and then yeah this last birthday i I, what did i even do i I don't i don't think i did much at all like yeah and i just so i I was lucky. I was lucky to get my thirtieth in because you know that's famously a big one. Famously, it is. I actually am having a flashback for my birthday for this the pandemic thirty first. It was like on a random Monday or Tuesday. I sat with one friend in a park, had an edible, and then just like actually felt very content because I had no other choice but to just be present in that moment. Whereas I think other years, it's like do we do the big thing? Do we? but it's like I just like you know watch the watch the world pass and then had a little dinner it was my first restaurant too in the pandemic we we sat outside at a restaurant and i don't know what your what your emotional life was during but i am canonically anxious and it 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 really took me until getting that vaccine to actually feel like not completely freaked out by the world yeah for me it was a very up and down pandemic i started it like kind of on a big upswing professionally and also i was in a great relationship and um you know as the pandemic is wont to do it kind of stopped things in its tracks professionally and it's all fine now because things are kicking back up again but i'm no longer with my boyfriend I, I think that um the pandemic like caused a lot of people to like really look at the situations they were in and find out like is it sustainable like is it what we want long term and uh, you know, it, it's it's hard. It's it's it was really hard. It also kind of like accelerated relationships. I think. Oh yeah. You know, I was I had been dating my boyfriend for I think probably about nine months, and then it was almost like we were living together. And I was just like, you know, it, it unfortunately changes dynamics. And um, you know, I I I don't say unfortunately because I I'm happy to like have any sort of like awakening that's positive and i do think it's positive and we're still close but it's it was hard i mean like you don't want to be cooped up and going through the stress of a breakup and dealing with life i mean and the uncertainty and i just remember like you know the election happening and it felt like it was so long and it was just fires in la that was what's one thing about la you're gonna absolutely hate is fire season um i just remember like it, it it all felt insurmountable 
And I ended up like going on a vacation by myself. Like I just like left LA and was like, didn't tell anyone I was going and just like went by myself. And it was just like, I just needed to get the fuck out. But I don't begrudge anyone their coping mechanisms during the pandemic, unless obviously it was like, you know, lethal towards others. (laughs) Um, Like, I, I didn't, I, I, like I said, I like, I took like a solo trip by myself and like, you know, did my own thing and like, you know, ultimately turned my life around because it was getting weird there. Like yeah. I, 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 I like, I like, um, decided to let myself go very early on. Like it was like, oh, we have to be home for two weeks. I'm going to only eat pizza and watch Survivor. I'm not going to move. <laughs> like I look at my steps from that time and it's like I, there, there are days I walked like 67 steps. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was horrible. I gained, I think, 20 pounds, which I, that had never happened to me before. Like not even when I was in college. I didn't even gain like, gain, like the freshman weight like everyone does. Like I, I've always been pretty lucky. And this this pandemic, like it was, it was very clear that I was thirty one. You know, I, I mean, mean, yeah, I was gonna say talk about a Saturn return. Uh, yeah, I, I do find it though, like it's it's always inspiring to me when people can still be friends with their exes because I really think that's not an easy thing to do. I, I am not the type that has many of those. Like the actually one person that I lost my virginity to back in those NYU days in U Haul. If you go can off, oh, I I was in U Haul. I wonder if I know the person. Oh, you you definitely do, um, but <laughs> okay. Off air, you have to tell me who it is. I will. I definitely will because it was. Gosh, what floor was it on? What I I, I mean, yeah. There's so many. Specific- if you say 14, I'm gonna lose my shit because you know that's the floor I lived on with one Hanukkahim. Oh my god! You know Hanukkahim is is. is it, it, listen, plug right now, everyone. Hanukkahim is a queen, and she does host a podcast called Brews with Broads. It's about women and beer. You gotta listen to it. Oh, I love that. Yes, a lot of my stories on this podcast are, have to do with Hannah because she—I've been friends with her for twenty something years. Yeah, I remember. I—I I didn't know you guys were friends before that. I just always remembered you guys being close at school, and I always. Yeah, like, we grew I, up in St. Louis together. We. Oh. But um, the the virginity moment was you know in that U-Haul. I don't think it was fourteen. I it, it might have been eleven, so not too far off. Okay. But um. Why am I talking about losing my virginity, Matt? Uh, I think you're talking about it because you were talking about difficulties in staying close with exes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. So that person is really, I have a really lovely relationship with, love seeing him. But one of my like big relationships that I have not seen, he blocked me like two years after we broke up. Shit. Yeah. We haven't seen each other in... Yeah. probably seven or eight years and um does it bother you t- you know it used to it really did it really used to because it, part of me was just like but i just want to see how he's doing but i'm sure part of me just wanted to feel like wanted again and like you know yeah it's just so weird how you can have like been so close with someone you could have been inside of someone you I could know. have been like so many so many things and then when they're a stranger to you again i find it such a crazy part of yeah, life it's like it's like a death it's like experiencing a death i mean even when you're yeah. still friends with that person you see that person or even if you're the one that ended things you still have to see that person sort of out in the world yeah how do you deal with it uh you know it's hard and i try not to be selfish about it because a lot of this is like for example like your ex blocking you on insta and all that stuff like he did that because he needed to do that 
You know what I mean? And I think that if he needs to do that, it's you're responsible to him as someone that loved him and like someone that was with him to let him have whatever he needs. And truly, like, I think it's really important to give people space and time and also boundaries. I mean, it's something that's really hard for me as someone who's got like codependent relationships on top of codependent relationships in my life. Like, I guess, I guess I just, I'm someone that really likes relying on someone else or really likes having like, like positive, you know, reinforcement all the time. Like I, I, I really <laughs> like to, um, be, uh, reassured. Oh, me too, I think. Matt. Um, and so that's that's like a source where you can get that that when that goes away it's almost like part of me is has to watch like getting emotionally fulfilled from a person that i'm no longer in a relationship with because it's so true like you can be the closest person in the world it's your best friend and you're their support system and they're your support system and then just because you break up because one aspect of the relationship didn't work or you think that something else should be working better like you still lose those other things and it's important to i think notice and recognize that um, a breakup is a breakup and it's you can't expect or force someone to be there for you in the way that they always were. It's an adjustment. That's part of the grieving process, I think. But also like talking about always needing positive reinforcement. I'm actually Matt my Matt and I are apart for two weeks right now. And for the first time since the pandemic started. And I realized my thoughts were going a little more crazy than normal. And I realized it's because I don't have a person there to, to constantly validate me and constantly give me positive reinforcement. Right. And um yeah, the codependency of it all is very very relatable i don't know if it's because wait you, are you are you italian is that right i'm greek greek okay is it the greek thing is it a no I, no i think I'm, i think it's just a crazy thing i'm like pisces <laughs> i thought you were gonna ask about astrology i was like oh i'm a i'm a dripping wet pisces i'm a pisces rising pisces cancer moon which means i could start crying at any second wow like it means it means get away from me is what it means like i'm needy i'm very emotional and sensitive um and i say this with love for myself I think there's a lot of good things about me too, but I'm, I'm very, um, you know, I'm a lot. I require a lot and I try, I say that not to scare people away, but you know, I think that, um, you know, when they say in a relationship, there's like a flower and a gardener, I'm a flower. And wait, uh, I haven't yeah. heard that, but I love that so much. Yeah. Yeah. My ex kind of brought that to my attention. He was like, you know, in relationships, there's a flower and there's a gardener and you're a flower and I'm a gardener. And I was like, yeah. Oh, wait. So I'm a flower, too. But babe. the fact is, I think he was more of a flower than he was willing to admit. Oh, he yeah. wanted to bloom, but you wanted him to water. Yeah. But that's the thing. I think there's always one person in the relationship that's a little needier or, or, or needs more of the watering and maybe yeah. some extra soil. Well, the thing is, I think that was like, I think he was the one that brought that to my attention, but I think that was a mischaracterization of our relationship, if I'm being honest, and I'm wearing my goggles, my good goggles looking back on it. But I do think that that's true. And I think in every good relationship, there should be um, someone who is, there probably is a flower and a gardener. And like, ultimately, you both want to grow into gardeners and be able to water each other but you know um for some people it's harder absolutely um, i think that th- they're they're i think that my positive function in relationships 
if I have to examine it is I think I make life more fun. I think I like have positive things that I bring to things. I, I, I'm very loving, but I think if I look back on my relationships, I definitely, um, I think I haven't been ready to be in them because I wasn't ready to not put myself first. And so now that I'm able to move forward and know that's true, I think it'll just be more fair for the next person I date because totally. I think I think I went for such a long time, like because you're like gay or closeted or whatever, or, like insecure. I I went for such a long time, never ever having a boyfriend, and I there were times when I was like, I'll never have one because I just thought maybe I'll be I'll be too difficult to date. I'm not ready. And then when I got one, I was so excited about having one. It wasn't until way into the relationship that I was examining whether or not it was right for me, oh. and whether or not I was a complete person enough to be in one. And obviously, when you're in your fucking mid twenties, like you're not. No, and, and people are in them all over the world, and good for them if they're ready to do that. I just realized, like, you know, all throughout my twenties, I wasn't figured out enough, or realized enough, or or knew enough about myself to actually be fair to another person in a relationship. And so I'm moving forward with that and trying to get better. Yeah, it's but it's also so emotionally intelligent and evolved to me, and I think that's a great way to be, is like knowing that you, maybe you're not ready versus having zero idea you're not ready, but just like continually making people suffer Clown. through. Through. plowing yeah. through people because there's other people that do that and i think like me and a communicative man is just ooh, is that a gold mine in this world well you know what's funny now like even when i'm dating early on like and someone asks me questions about myself like i think like even like a few years ago i would have been doing some sort of performance like mm. it's so funny i was just talking the other day i think i was talking to um I was talking to my friend Studi about this, and I was like, do you remember in our 20s when we used to drink IPAs? And then I remembered, like, when I was on OkCupid when I was, like, 22, like, which I'm really curious to see if my profile is still up, because you have to fill out all your interests and everything <laughs> like that. And I remember one of my four interests was drinking IPAs. <gasps> and it's not. It's, it's like, those beers make me so tired. I don't even <laughs> like the taste of IPA. I don't like the taste of hoppy beer at all. But I think I was doing it because I wanted to appear a certain way. Maybe it was like a mask drag performance thing. Um. Maybe it was I just wanted some connection with like straight culture dating. Maybe I wanted guys to know that I was like rather mean up at a bar that was more general population than like a gay bar. Like uh. at the time, I just wasn't really settled in myself. And so it's so funny because that was an obvious way I was like parading around an untruth about myself and being dishonest about who I was romantically. But that still happens in little tiny micro ways. And so now when I'm dating, I just try to be honest as fuck. Yeah. From the beginning, because you're going to have to be at some point. Exactly. And like once the facade comes down, it's like, this is who I like. This is me. I remember and I truly am not proud of this, but I, I identify with you of the the mask sort of, you know, facade mm -hmm. of I when I was first in my 20s trying to date outside of after college i was like you know was one of those people that did want to find someone that was a little more masculine and i told myself yeah, that WSO. and then i realized as i was dating it, and when i started to meet people that i was very interested in that wasn't masked i was like I, I that's definitely when the mirror was put up to my face and i was like wait a minute this is an amazing person that i am trying to limit based on my own fucked up growing up being told what it means to to be a man and i yeah luckily was able to let go of that but i think a lot of people it takes them too long to let go of the, the things that they are trying to find because well, they were told to find something like that yeah and people aren't aware of it i think that people aren't aware of like how colonized our desires are you mm -hmm. know what i mean like i i used to think i think it was subconscious um 
And then I became more conscious of it, but I was like, well, I can't date um this femme person because what would my dad think mm. or like i or like you know like i have to really now that i've come out of the closet like that's enough like i can't be i can't rock the boat too much so let's find someone that drinks ipas you know right. what i mean like it's yeah. just it's it's fucked up it's lame it's like almost definitely internalized racism and homophobia it's like all these things like yeah. it's just really garbage and so as you move through life and mature and get to know yourself i think what i always say is like what i always say i'm always saying this um it's like you come out of the closet and that's one thing and that's like literally one percent of the work Mm -hmm. because then you have to come out with your interests and your opinions and you have to come out with your natural inclinations and what you're actually attracted to and you sort of meet yourself outside of what you've been curated to be by society and by your family and by like your surroundings growing up especially you know i mean i grew up on long island like it was and and like there's still things about me that are just like internalized from that culture um not in harmful ways just like in little social ways like you know what i mean like uh, like uh, even the way i speak sometimes like right even one drink it'll be coffee not coffee you know what i mean like it's just like that but what i mean is to say um it takes a very long time to not only become who you are, but get adjusted to who you are and then be able to like introduce that person to other people. So that's why I try to cut myself some slack about, you know, being like quote unquote difficult in my first couple relationships is because I didn't know what the fuck to do. Mm. No one ever told me. I didn't even know how to use my butt for sex until like my mid to late twenties. Like, come on. Like it, we're, we're delayed. We need a birds and the birds conversation. It's so unfair that, that queer people have to like figure it out for themselves when there's all these illustrated books. Like, like I, yeah. I, it, you know, I, hopefully none of my parents or in-laws are listening to this part, but like I, and if you are just, just skip like 20 seconds, but like I, when I first was, dating i just never knew about butt stuff how in terms of my own and then i my first relationship was solely a t to t and then as i move forward in life i had to literally learn that it is okay to you know scratch my back and scratch yours but i didn't know how and i had to like go through the olympic trials of figuring this out and i finally then put myself through school went to babeland got the stuff and it took me i'm not exaggerating like three years to figure out how to actually do it and i you know i wish i had learned earlier but again some people don't learn at all and they need to I mean, I think that it's just, no one needs to do anything, but I would say it feels nice to be able to have intercourse. You know what I mean? Like, it feels nice to be able to feel, I remember when I was like frauding my way through New York when I was like in my (laughs) early 20s. I'm not even kidding. Like, I was always just like, I feel like something's missing. Like, I'm not really connecting sexually. Like, I feel like I'm not like having sex or making love to these guys that I really want to like fuck and i always felt like empty after my hookups and then yeah with time i sort of figured it out and like i've had lots of fulfilling relationships where that was not a thing i've had many a great hookup where that was not a thing i didn't have like a dick in my ass or whatever and was fine but when i figured out how to enjoy that you know and it's still a journey sometimes 
aka it does hurt every single time until you, until <laughs> you get used to it um i i was i felt enriched by it but no one was out here helping me i certainly Mm-mm. didn't have any gay mentors you know what no. i mean like i i didn't have any television or media that was talking about that certainly wasn't educated on it um in any form of education that i that i went to and i'm a well-educated person so it was just like it really felt like you were out here thrown to the wolves and there's also a lot of misinformation out there a lot of fear around sex because um i think that we are like that sort of last generation that was like without prep when we were younger so it was very scary. I remember I had a lot of very anxiety-ridden visits to, you know, my doctor to get an HIV test. Um, and it's just, it's a, it's it was a mind fuck. It was a oh, mind I fuck. it's it, it. I unfortunately still really have to deal with that stuff of just like of being so deeply afraid of like if I like like look at someone. I I have a story that I basically thought I had something, and I truly didn't even. Think know to think what it was but my body started to actually physically physically react out of the fear and Mm -hmm. i started to i truly can't explain this why but it was such a psychosomatic thing i started to pee not like kept having to pee and then that my Uh body my brain told myself that that meant i did have something and i kept like peeing and freaking out and had like panicking and i went to the doctor and they're like you're completely fine stop freaking out but like it it really it really is it does plague my mind and like it it's a true you just have to work through so many layers of what we've been told and what is expected of us and i have to say like the fact that you said you've been frauding or you were frauding through your new york i think uh is oh please i was like dry humping anyone i could touch like it was just like i remember like oh my gosh like like some of the guys that i hooked up with when we were in college like I wonder if they look back on that and was like, he didn't know what the fuck he was doing. And then I'm like, no, Matt, that is you again, getting in your own head, making things yeah. more difficult for yourself. No one knew what the fuck they were doing. No or how one. they acted. Like, and, and it's fine. It's also not a big deal. And I'm happy for like whatever Gen Z that like, you know, the fucking asshole is like a place that they want to endeavor to go very early. Like love to hear this like sort of, um, movement of rimming. I remember the first time I got my ass eaten in college, like, was this this kid I was in a dorm with, and, like, he ate my ass, and I was like, whoa, what are you doing? And I, he was like, I didn't even know it was a thing. He was like, oh, I just like to do that. And I was like, uh, yeah, it's literally, it, it felt insane. It was so good. And I was just like, wow, I didn't know I fucking loved this. And I, like... <laughs> I mean, like, it's just crazy. Like, I I remember, like, even when I was younger, like, the first time I ever saw, like, a gay porn, like, a dick in an ass, I was like, they do that? Yeah. And my cousin, who I was watching it with, my straight cousin, was like, yeah, that's how they fuck. (laughs) And I was like, oh, my God, that's horrible. Wait, is your straight cousin a a, a guy or a girl? Guy. Oh, It was just, like, fun for him. He was like, now let's watch gay porn. And I was like, okay. And I I literally, like, he he was just, like, fascinated by it, I think. And, like, it was, like, this, like, you know, taboo of, like, we're going to go on the computer and watch porn. And then we just meandered over to the gay site. And, like, I remember I got, like, a raging hard on. And he was like, are you hard right now? Because if you are, that means you're gay. And I was like, I'm not. I was like, rock hard. (laughs) soaking wet well listen i could of course talk about rimming for the next hour but i do want to ask the famous podcast question matt rogers yeah whose fault is it that you're gay matt who do we blame hmm who do i blame for my gayness you know it's an interesting question i i would say that one of the reasons that i'm 
gay in the way that I am is because my parents, um, so I guess we're blaming them. <laughs> um, so thank you, parents. I love being gay now. I couldn't, couldn't always say that. But my, my parents would not allow me to watch MTV um because it was like every time i had on mtv it was like always spring break which was like the member spring break mtv oh, it was like yeah, those like that's... aggressively like hetero sort of like miami beach rager events like with like you know jenny mccarthy hosting or whatever the fuck and like the tr like the hosts, hottest like... ripped guys you've ever seen yeah oh. like carson daly in like a full denim suit in the middle of miami like while everyone around him is in like a bikini or like board shorts like <laughs> raging um but that was like a really horny aggressively like anti-mom scene and so she would come mm. in and be like you're not watching this and i was like but i love music and it's music television like this is what i want to be watching and she was like then watch vh1 <laughs> so instead of watching mtv worth where, where it was like you know all like the youth culture and straight culture i watched like vh1 so i was exposed to like celine dion and mariah carey and shania twain and like this sort of more mature adult female sensuality sexuality mm. and also diva worship so i remember when divas live happened like i was ready because i remember that it was like the 98 divas live and this was like right when i started to culturally like more gay things because i think the second i saw kate winslet turn around in that hat in titanic i knew something was different about me i was like i'm not interested in her sexually but i am very interested in the framing i'm very interested in the hat i'm very interested in her makeup i'm very interested in her gorgeous red hair i'm very mm. interested that the, her first line in this movie is it doesn't look as big as the mauritania like a complaint <laughs> like i'm very interested in like everything that's going on here like the reveal of her in that scene where he's drawing yes. her i'm interested in her power in the scene so i guess now i'm titter-tattering over to like kate winslet's also to blame but which we love because she's in a, we're in the winslet renaissance we but, are um, i mean the car moment with her the hand on the window i think that is maybe one pinpoint moment for me genius genius and also like to pretend that leonardo dicaprio at like 19 on that ship was going to be any good at sex like so funny to me but it was in so titanic fever had sort of taken over and so that's when i started to really get into celine dion because of my heart will go on and i was such a stan and she was on vh1 all the time she couldn't have been bigger and then i really got into mariah carey and that's when like my lamb status really started mm -hmm. and i also loved shania twain i loved shania twain i remember she lost an award at the like people's choice awards one year to leanne rhymes and i cried so hard that my mother was like you need to stop or we're going to the doctor <gasps> she was like this is like not okay like you can't be crying because shania twain lost favorite country female artist to leanne rhymes at the people's choice awards and you're seven like it's not something <laughs> we're gonna tolerate seven years old i mean losing your goddamn mind literally like standing aretha franklin at divas live like i think honestly it was because my mother was like you can't watch mtv you have to watch vh1 and it was like this female beltress adult contemporary diva worship mm -hmm. that i pivoted to and then i like got all my friends at school involved in i remember when we were little we would have to like we would have like r and r time like relax and read or write like and i would like write in my book like i had a composition notebook that was literally filled with lyrics of songs by like mariah carey tony braxton like all these things and they weren't my own stories and we had to turn them into our teacher and i didn't know that so i had to turn the book into my teacher and i guess she wasn't a fan of this type of music because she wrote back to me in my book and she said matthew your stories are so 
beautiful. And it was literally like the roof by Mariah Carey, the lyrics. I'm not even kidding you. And she was like, I'm, I'm like literally like my all. Like she, my teacher thought that me at eight just used the words vividly emblazoned in my mind. Like, and she was like, you're so talented. Your stories are so beautiful and they're so heartfelt and you really have such talent. And I literally, I, I never understood why this teacher loved me so much. And then I'm realizing, oh, it's because she thought I could write like Mariah Carey. Oh my God. I mean, you were literally using the lyrics from like Grammy winning music and your poor teacher thinks that a full six-year-old is, is, a, is the penmanship of a woman scorned. Literally, like, and I'm like, what was she listening to at that time if she wasn't listening to that? Let's talk about that. She revealed that she was really into Jewel. Like, I remember I was in third grade, and it was right after the Columbine shooting, and I could tell my teacher was, like, very shook by it. Because it obviously happened in a school, and she she was obviously panicked because she thought it could happen to her and her kids. And I remember... It was right after Hands by Jewel came out, and she made us get in a circle and grab hands and sing the song Hands. So looking back, I think that she was like, she had severe trauma. Oh, uh, yeah. And so maybe she was more into a Lilith Fair type of female musicianship than I was. I was more like, you know, the belt pop goddess girl. And maybe she was like, you know, just um, into more acoustic stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm I, sure as you were on Danny Pellegrino's podcast, and I'm such a fan. But I, I fucking love Danny. He's so good. So good. And when he posts... Do you either, know him? Um, I mean, I have like been social media fan like in touch over the years, but like I, my dream is to have him on this podcast, and it's going to happen one day. Oh, he's so great. So great. But he when he posts, like, obviously the, the Jessica Simpson stuff, the, when he posted the jewel and Jessica Simpson, like... Who will save your soul? Yeah, going absolutely yeah. off. I It uh, defined, uh, I think, a generation, but I also think it, it maybe scared some people away, but I think the, the, real, the real fans stuck, stuck around. For sure. I mean, the fact is, I did sort of hang out with those ladies for a while. And then I sort of, you know, I liked Britney Spears the whole time. And I loved Christina Aguilera. Um, But then it was like, um, it wasn't until I was in sixth grade that I really stand beyond those women. And and it was Kelly Clarkson. So when I saw Kelly Clarkson on American Idol, it was like over for me. Because this was like right around when I was like, let's just say being gay was like vividly emblazoned in my mind. Like Mm. it was just like, I, it was a very much a constant panic and thought. And then I remember when she like started to pop off on American Idol, I remember thinking to myself, well, at least I know. And it's comforting to see America like fall in love with someone just for being themselves. That maybe that means that one day people will fall in love with me because I'm myself. I was like, maybe one day I'll be able to really be myself and it will be good. It will be enough. Cause I, I really liked her humor and thought, wow, she's just such a good singer. She's doing what she loves and she's able to represent herself in a way that she doesn't take herself too seriously. And I remember like that was the first time I was able to take a step into like, you know, I, I know I really like this girl and I, I like, I, 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 her music makes me happy and it was such a comfort to me oh to my, see that, her honestly- be embraced. That makes me like even a little emotion thinking about like this young yeah. closet case being like Kelly's being herself and people love her for that. And people maybe will like me, even though I feel like I might be completely sent to hell when I tell people this. But maybe yeah. there's a chance people will like it because I'm just being who I am. And Kelly Clarkson, I hope she knows that she's done that for people. 
I I think that she might have an idea. I mean, it's it's really cool to see her become like this like it, it's like almost like a third win type of intense fame like yeah. now she's huge and it feels like she was really huge during american idol mm-hmm. and then really huge during like the breakaway moment like since you've been gone and all that yeah and then she like kind of stuck around for a while and was always sort of like you know around and like she would always remind you how good she was and now it's just like since like the daytime show and the voice it's like crazy how famous she is yeah yeah and it's just i'm not surprised because it's it's like what i said it's like yes she was very famous and successful because of her incredible talent but also you have to remember like america fell in love with her like and there they haven't fallen out of love with her like it's it's so fun to see and so it still ends up being an inspiration to me yeah totally and i think that's why her show is so big now is because it's people just like constantly seeing her personality and her fucking singing new songs it's like it's, yeah, it's such, relatability it, down yeah yeah it is but also it is. not it's it's like this it's like your cousin that can do that has this crazy talent and then when yeah. they stop singing they're just your cousin again you know what I mean? Right. You feel like you feel like you know them, but then they go, they go do your talent, and then you're lucky enough to have them in your life because they exactly. are that talent. Do you know though? I thought that someone who was going to have a resurgence, and, and you maybe can correct me if I'm wrong, but when I was younger and I saw JoJo ascend to fame, and uh, maybe I'm just thinking of the highlights, and that's why I'm going from Kelly to JoJo. But like when right. JoJo did get out, stay out, and then it, it or get out, leave, and then it kind of mm-hmm. she. I think went back under the radar and then it kind of did, has resurfaced, but she hasn't gotten as big as I thought she would. Do you agree or disagree? I would agree. I mean, like I, I think that she was so shocking when she came out being 13 and her songs were such bops. Like you talk about leave, get out, but then there's also baby it's you. Remember that song? Oh my yes. God. Uh, like literally her first album insane and then she had um oh god what was that song on her second album um there's this just one fucking banger on her second album yeah, yeah, yeah. uh you shot the bullet you shot the bullet that killed me and i was dying that's the bridge i I'm, i like but like yeah look her up everybody because she's got and also she re-recorded her first album like as an adult did you know this yes and it's like so great. You remember like how good all those songs were. Like it's oh, just... and that's it's it's such a mindfuck win. And I know obviously you're a big Taylor Swift fan as well. And it's it's so Love crazy Taylor. when you see the the, re- the reimagined of the the re-recordings of the old stuff because it is both comforting. It's slightly haunting. It's also like you're being reunited. I also have it recently been reunited with Jordan Sparks. I mean, there are a killer voice, and also maybe one of the best um, Jenna's in Waitress. Yes. Like you have not lived until you've seen Jordan Sparks sing She Used, she used to, be, to mine. be Mine. I think it is I think it's and I know there's the version that she does like where she was like they like recorded her professionally doing it not in the show. There's one clip on YouTube of her doing it from the show like it was like one of those like illegal Broadway recordings that they mm-hmm. do. I'm telling you like the way she holds out the Used to be and like that and like she just like literally wails it like it's a grief scream and i'm like this Ugh. is she doesn't get the credit like she's talented and also i think it means something for jenna to be a woman of color too it's like adds more stakes like it's just yes. it's really it's really um 
it's it's from the gut it's it's like it is really and I, I was surprised when because she also was in in the heights i think on broadway too she played mm-hmm. um she did a short stint as maybe vanessa vanessa or, yeah um did you what did you think of the the in the heights movie you know what? I was like really impressed by it all the way through. I like loved it. Mm-hmm. I thought I thought it was great performances. Anthony Ramos is such a fucking superstar that Truly. it's unbelievable. He's so talented as an actor, as a dancer, as a singer. Um I didn't super connect with the dram- with the drama of it. Like I, I just didn't mm-hmm. find that there was that much like tension in it like i didn't think there was really enough like real conflict for me to feel like you know i was like it was like a twist in my heart but i will say the music was great the performances were great i just story wise yeah don't think it's his strongest like because then you see hamilton and you're like oh my god you know what i mean like and i and i i'm glad you said that because when i the the show is one of the first shows i saw or maybe it was like I saw the show early in its run and I was just beyond obsessed. I wept. I just, and I was waiting for that same emotional connection to the movie. And I think you're right where there wasn't that tension there. And so I was the only letdown was I didn't have that same emotional release, but did I gasp when they danced or walked on the side of the building? Of course. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. I mean, gorgeous. Like, but yeah, it's, I, I, I think it is one of the, the better movie musicals we've seen in a long time, but I do agree with the, the emotional connection of it all. You know, I, I just think like, Sometimes during the tr- during the transition from from the stage to the screen, it just it's never it's just not going to hit the same way. You have to really nail like a diegetic, like the way that Chicago did. And I feel like In the Heights is a grounded story about like you know a neighborhood, and it's just like mm. it, so that's like I think you know I'm hopeful about the about the like throng of movie musicals we're getting in the next year, like because there's so many coming. But these contemporary musicals are just hard to adapt. In in a way that's like mm, totally palatable on screen, but yes. I'm really excited to be proven wrong. I am too, and you know what? I speaking of like musicals and pure genius, I just need you to hear from my mouth in this episode that your many of your performances, of course, I've been a fan of, and in, in an embarrassing way, don't you to think I'm I'm uh, sadly oh, stalking God. you? It's all through love, but the um, one lyrical genius I that I still reference to this day is Gay Scarf. I need you to know this. <laughs> um, during winters, we we of course always recite our Gay Scarf, Gay Scarf. But also, I'm the hottest who of in Whoville. I think Thank it's you. like, God, it's, it's so funny. It sounds so good. If anybody listening has not heard this, is there, a, I know you, ha, you have an album, right? Can, how can well, people... okay, so this is the sort of, this is the sort of gag with that. I basically, I have this Christmas show that I do called Have You Heard of Christmas? And I, I, I'm touring with it again this December and I'll announce dates super soon, but I'm going like all over and I'm really excited about it. And I always said like, it's my Christmas album that doesn't really exist. So I do mm-hmm. have like a 12 song original Christmas album um, that I wrote with my musical director, Henry Kapersky. And like, I, it's my pride and joy. But um Let's just say that it was never a real album until hopefully this year. And that's, I don't want to say too, too much, but um, hopefully some cool things happen with it. Yeah. I should say that Gay Scarf was written by Dave Mazzoni. Um, so we get credit to him. But 
Hottest Family Up in Whoville is is one of my pride and joys. So thank you. Oh, and no I, I really hope that people you don't have to celebrate Christmas to come and come enjoy the show. It's really not about Christmas. It's really just like my comedy special that I do with masquerades as like an obnoxious Josh Groban esque Christmas yes. special. And listen up, as a Jew who played Buddy the Elf in the national tour of Elf for like three to acclaim to acclaim, baby. It like I literally learned from that show about Christmas. I was like, oh, I get it. Christmas is magic. And I'm a proud, I'm not a Jew for Jesus, but I am a Jew for Christmas. Thank you. And that's all we ask. <laughs> that's all we ask. Well, listen up. As we're getting towards the end, I do want to ask you a really important question here. If, if the world was ending, mm-hmm. you could only save one character actress, who would you save? If the world was ending and I could only save one character actress, I would save Betty Gilpin. Because mm. I feel that she is capable of everything and we have yet to really see the depths of what she can do she's also like become a friend of mine and i that's one other reason why i'm so lucky that the podcast exists because it really connected us with her and we had an episode where she came on and it was just a highlight of my life um I think that if you watch Glow, you understand how talented she is. Like this is like a character actress like trapped in a leading lady's body, which is the best type of like can con- like you know what would you call Ben diagram. Um, mm-hmm. But she's truly amazing. The hunt was incredible. Um, her performance was amazing. I just think she is the real fucking deal. And I say that as someone who you know, is well-versed in this area. Yeah. Hard not to say Judy Greer here because I respect it. But um, I would say Betty Gilpin because I think she's like street level. I'm not even kidding. I love, no, truly I support that. And I think it's also beautiful. The lifelong friendship I see you and Betty Gilpin have. And I really do. Oh my God. I mean, just a tremendous human being and smart as shit. And also a great writer and good person. New mom we love and um yeah just i i could sing her praises all day i mean she does things that are inventive and also like deeply deeply real and she's funny and also like has a lot of depth and also like has done the work like she's like she's like a real actress but also you can tell that it comes from a place of fun and of not taking herself super seriously. Like she obviously takes what she does very seriously, but I don't think she takes herself super seriously. She knows enough not to. Uh, so that's an interesting walk to walk, but she does it. And I'm always obsessed with her. Well, that's one of the most perfect uh, types of people is like the great talent with also not thinking that they're so serious that they can't make fun of themselves or like be silly or whatever it is. And I think that that is the way to go. Speaking of though, um, I, this made me think of a show that people keep telling me to watch and I started last night. Have you watched um, Call My Agent yet? No. Okay, so it's on Netflix. It's a French show and it's um, it's like French entourage but without the uh, misogyny. And <laughs> it's also the actual actors that are uh, very famous in France. They play themselves in the show but it's like it's smart. It is funny. It is like crazy high stakes. Highly recommend. Great endorsement. Ringing endorsement. I mean, truly. And since we are just about out of time, I'm going to ask you the final question that I, I'm taking a page out of Danny Pellegrino's book, who asks a favorite Mariah Carey song. I'm going to ask you, Matt Rogers, mm. what is your favorite Whoopi Goldberg movie? <gasps> oh my God. I would say my favorite Whoopi Goldberg movie is Sister Act 2. 
Thank you so much. Back in the habit. But I also love Ghost. I appreciate mm-hmm. Ghost. Um, and I think the color purple was an achievement. And I yes. think that was her Oscar. But, you know, they gave it to her for Oda May, which is also yes. worthy. Well, Joel Kim Booster was the first person I asked this new pod question last week, and he also answered Sister Act 2. And I'm starting to think, what if every single person answers that? But I think that's okay, Matt. I think it might be okay, and I think it would make Whoopi happy, to be honest. Yes. Because, you know, she kind of, like, over the past couple decades, she's really just kind of done The View. And we'd love to see Whoopi back in film. But, you know, she, like, tried to get Sister Act 3 to happen, and they, like, wouldn't finance it. Like, apparently it's they... their opinion that people wouldn't go see it. And I'm like, I don't think that's true. But see, I thought that was the, the case. And then they re-announced that it is happening. Has it, is it not happening now? I don't know. I, it's, it's, it's murky, which makes me feel not confident. Yeah. Well, let's all put our prayers up for Sister Act 3 and Whoopi prayers Goldberg up. returning to our screens. Um, listen, Matt Rogers, I want to thank you for coming on That's the Gayest Podcast. It really is such a treat and a thrill to see you. And I'm so, so grateful. You're a motherfucking star. Oh, I'm I'm lucky to be here. It's it's my my honor and privilege. Thank you so much, Eric. You rock. Is he just not the best? I mean, Matt Rogers. I'm so grateful he came on this podcast. And please let him know you listen. It was it's one of my favorite conversations I've had. And also, I'm actually reading a certain Brian Moylan's book about the Real Housewives, and I'm recording with him very soon. So come back to the podcast. He's going to be on one of our uh, episodes in the next couple weeks, and also some other incredible guests. So. Stay tuned, like, subscribe, give us that review, and follow me at Eric Wills and the podcast at Gay Ass Podcast. Have a great gay ass week, my friends. Bye. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.